The scripture reading is from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. All these died in faith without receiving the promise, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. One of the things that God asks of every human being is that we put our trust in him. Even when we can't see, especially when we can't see how things are going to work out, when we can't see how he's going to deliver, when we can't see that he's going to make good on his promises, God challenges people, he challenges human beings to put their trust in him. Because he's reliable, he doesn't lie, Titus chapter one, verse two, Hebrews chapter six, verse 18. He is a God who is faithful. He has never failed to keep a promise. And because that's the kind of God who invites us into a relationship with him, he challenges you and he challenges me. Be faithful, trust and obey. That's the title of our lesson this morning. If you've got your Bible, please open to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and we sometimes call this chapter the hall of fame of faith. The idea of the hall of fame is you put these football players or baseball players who have done exceptionally well at their position, you put them in the hall of fame so that people can remember their accomplishments. Well, Hebrews chapter 11 does that with people who even though they didn't see how God was gonna deliver them, even though they didn't know how things were gonna work out, they still believed God and they still did what God asked them to do. That's what God is challenging you and me to do this morning. I want you to think about the word faith as we begin this morning. As you look at Hebrews chapter 11, you'll find the word faith mentioned over and over and over, by faith, by faith, by faith. And as you read through these passages this week in our Reading in Sync program, I'm sure it was impressed upon you the idea that God wants me to be like these people in certain ways. But what does the word faith mean? As a matter of fact, when you read your New Testament, the word faith is used in a number of different senses. In the first place, sometimes when you're reading in the New Testament, the word faith has to do with the gospel message, the faith, the idea that there is an objective body of truth. And Paul says it this way in Galatians 1.23, that I am now preaching the faith, the gospel, that I once sought to destroy. Or in Jude verse three, we are to contend earnestly for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Sometimes your Bible uses the word faith to describe the gospel, the Bible, the objective body of truth that God has revealed to us. Sometimes this is called the faith. It's outside of me, it's something that I need to receive and I need to believe and I need to understand and, and process through my mind and heart. But the faith is used in that sense in your Bible. 
That's not the way Hebrews 11 uses it, by the way. The second way in which the word faith is used is sometimes called the gift of faith. There was in the first century some type of miraculous ability that was given to Christians and it was called in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 9, the gift of faith. That's not the way Hebrews 11 describes faith either. In James chapter 2, a third way in which the word faith is used, James chapter 2 verse 26 states that as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith, if it has not works, is dead. And the idea there being that if I'm convicted and I believe that God said certain things and God expects certain things of me, but I don't do anything about it, then I have what James calls a dead faith. He's not talking about the gospel here. He's not using it in that sense. He's talking about me and my personal conviction. And he's saying, if I, if I believe something, if I know the truth, but I don't obey it, then what I possess and what you possess is a dead faith that cannot and will not save us. And then finally, saving faith. You're looking at Hebrews chapter 11. Notice verse six. Without faith, he's not talking about the gospel there. He's not talking about the miraculous gift of faith from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He's talking about obedient faith, saving faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, to please God. For whoever wants to please God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What Hebrews 11 is talking about is this fourth expression, this fourth type of faith, saving faith. Faith that involves trusting God and then obeying what he, t- what he says. Trust and obey. That's a biblical definition of saving faith that I listen to God, I listen to his word, I believe it, and I do something about it. I obey what God expects me to do. That's saving faith. And as you read through your New Testament and you come across that word faith, it's important to make the distinction what kind of faith is being discussed here. It'll help us to be better Bible students. So let's talk about saving faith. Hebrews chapter 11 is all about saving faith. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews chapter 11 verse one begins. By faith we believe, by faith we know, by faith we are confident, the Bible says, over and over and over in this section. What I wanna do is just break down what's happening in Hebrews chapter 11 with all these different examples of different people of faith who lived and served God over the years and I wanna break it down in three ways. I want us, first of all, as we look through Hebrews chapter 11, I'm just gonna put a lot of scripture on the screen this morning so that you can be with me, okay? You can see what I'm seeing, okay? We're gonna talk, first of all, about the promises that God makes. And then secondly, we're gonna talk about what faith does. And then third, we're gonna talk about the result of faith. As we talk about this particular passage, these are the examples, and then at the end, some challenges for you and for me when it comes to faith. Here we go. As you look at Hebrews chapter 11, all these examples of people who lived by faith, I want us first of all to notice that the foundation of faith, everybody who has faith in God, the foundation must be God's word. God speaks to people. He speaks to people today through his word. In times past, Hebrews chapter one verse one tells us he spoke to people through dreams and visions and through prophets. God has spoken in many different ways, but now today he speaks to us through his word. 
And that, brothers and sisters and friends, is the foundation of our faith. I can't just say, I'm gonna do this religious thing and I really am just gonna do it based on faith. If it's not found in God's word, it's not faith. If it's not found in God's will, it can't be faith. Because faith is founded upon God's word. Let me share with you from Hebrews chapter 11 just four examples. Here's example number one, Noah. God said to Noah, it's gonna rain. It's gonna rain a lot. As a matter of fact, Noah, it's gonna rain so much that I'm going to destroy all life on earth. Therefore, Noah, I want you to build an ark. And so Hebrews chapter 11 verse seven tells us, by faith Noah, being warned by God concerning things yet unseen. Noah had never seen a flood like that. Even though we live here in Katy, Texas, land of the 500 year flood, we've never seen rain like that. And Noah said, I believe God. He said to me that this is gonna happen. I believe it's gonna happen and I'm gonna do some things about that. Faith, brothers and sisters, involves listening to God. And even though we don't see how God's gonna make this happen, we believe that God is gonna make it happen because he said so. That's who he is. His character is reliable. He doesn't lie. Second example, Abraham. Look at verse eight. God spoke to Abraham when he lived in the land of Ur, modern day Iraq. And God said to Abraham, Abraham, Pack up your stuff, you're moving. And I'm not even gonna tell you where you're moving, just move. I'm gonna show you a land. When you get there, I'll tell you. I just want you to be faithful to me. And so the Bible says that because God spoke, because he called Abraham, he spoke to him, you see, that Abraham said, okay, I'm gonna start doing some things in my life. I'm gonna pack everything up and me and Sarah and all of our servants, we're gonna move. And for the rest of his life, Abraham and his descendants, even his grandchildren and great-grandchildren lived in tents. Probably had a nice house there in Ur. Had a great foundation, great mortgage, everything was wonderful. But no, he sold it all and moved because God spoke to him. That's what faith does. God said something to me, he's spoken to me, I'm gonna change as a result. Example number three, foundation of faith is God's word. Sarah, look at verse 11. You remember that time in Genesis chapter 18 where Abraham was sitting in his tent and there were three visitors that came by and Abraham got up and he prepared food for them and they said, Abraham, you're gonna have a child. And remember Sarah, she laughed, remember? But then Hebrews chapter 11 says this, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since, watch this, she considered him faithful, God, who had promised. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Faith relies on the promises of God. God has made promises to you and me. He's made promises to the whole world and faith relies on the promises of God and I can make present plans and I can put my future hopes in what God has said he's gonna do one day. I don't know how he's gonna do it. I don't know when he's gonna do it. I don't know where he's gonna do it. I don't know where he'll be when I see it happen, but I know it's gonna happen because God has promised. That's the way Sarah lived. That's the way Noah lived. That's the way Abraham lived. 
Faith is based on God's word, what he says. Fourth example, last one under this point, the Israelites. In verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. You wanna talk about military strategy failures. Think about this. Here are these slaves who've been redeemed out of Egypt and in their first battle, God their commander says, here's the strategy. We're gonna have a parade and we're gonna march around the city walls once a day for seven days. Then on the seventh day, we're gonna march around seven times. We're gonna blow our trumpets. That's your strategy. That's what I want you to do. Joshua 6, verse two, the Lord had said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. Why did those Israelites think that that strategy was valid? Why did they do something so ridiculous from a military standpoint? I mean, really, what army has ever fought a battle like that? They fought that way because God had spoken. What I'm saying to you this morning is that God has said an awful lot to us and we, if we're gonna be people of faith, have to listen carefully to what he said and we have to believe it and we have to embrace it and we have to know that the promises that he's made and the commandments he's given, he means these things and they really are the kinds of things that you can build your life on. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, there's this real emphasis on the things you can't see. Faith in the unseen. Read Hebrews 11 this afternoon and just look at how many times the unseen is mentioned in that chapter. That's the essence of faith. Even though the Israelites had never seen a strategy like this, even though they'd never seen Jericho conquered, they knew God could do it and they obeyed. That's faith. Secondly, as you look at Hebrews chapter 11, I want you to think about this. The requirement of faith is action. You gotta do something. If I really believe that God means what he says, if I believe that his promises are true and that he's gonna do what he says he's gonna do, then it's an obligation of mine to respond in faith. Because you see, God doesn't just say, I promise you good things and I promise you great things and you don't have to do anything. God says, I'm inviting you to come and participate in my promises. I'm inviting you to come and be a part of what I offer. And the way that you respond to God is by doing something, by believing in his promises. And so the requirement of faith is, ac is action, and that's the emphasis of Hebrews chapter 11. Watch this. Abel, verse 4a. Hebrews 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Abel went out there and he built an altar and he offered, he worshiped God in an acceptable way. God had spoken to Abel, God had spoken to Cain, and Abel did what God asked him to do. Secondly, Enoch, verse five. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. But before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And if you go back to Genesis chapter five, you'll find this phrase, Enoch walked with God. His lifestyle 
was a lifestyle that wanted to be in step with the commandments and the promises of God. God, I'm gonna live for you, that was Enoch. I'm gonna do what you ask, that was Enoch. That was the way he lived and that's the way God wants you to live too. To listen to his word and to do what he says, that's faith. Continuing examples, Noah. Here we are back at Noah again. By faith, Noah being warned by God, there's God's word, in reverent fear constructed an ark. And don't you know they thought Noah was a nut? As he spent all that time building a boat on dry land, and not just a boat, a huge boat, capable of carrying two, uh, two of every kind of animal on earth. What are you doing, Noah? You're building a boat on dry land. You're putting all this time and effort and investment into this ark. Noah did it because he believed that God's warning was real. He believed that what God said was gonna happen was gonna happen. That's faith. He did something about it. Abraham, verses eight and nine. Abraham, when he was called, left. He obeyed. He went out. He went to live in the land of promise. People over the years have tried to imagine what it was like when Abraham went home to Sarah, his wife, and said, honey, pack up the china, pack up the silverware, we're moving. Where are we moving, Abraham? I don't know. How far are we gonna go? I don't know. Well, why are we moving? Because a voice spoke to me and told me that it's time to move. And I'm gonna obey the voice because it's God Almighty that told me. But you don't know where we're going. No, I don't. You don't know when we'll get there. No, I don't. And Abraham and Sarah, as I said, lived for the rest of their lives in tents because they believed God, they obeyed. By the way, have you noticed the variety of faith? You see, faith looks different for different people. Faith looks different for a single mom trying to raise her kids in a godly way. There's some things that she's gonna do because she loves the Lord and because she wants to please the Lord. There are some things that a single mom's gonna do that are different from somebody who is a widow. And the things that a widow does and the things that a widow embraces and the choices that she makes because she wants to please the Lord and because she wants to obey what God tells of her, that's gonna be different from a husband and father who happens to be a gospel preacher. Abel's offering a more excellent sacrifice and Enoch's walking with God and Noah's building an ark and Abraham's moving out because God told him to move out. But all these people were listening to God's voice, God's word, and they're all obeying. What's God telling you to do in his word? What does the Bible command of you in your life situation, in your circumstance, in your relationships? The requirement of faith is action. How about Joseph in verse 22? Joseph's getting ready to die. And before he dies, he leaves his last will and testament. You know what Joseph said? He said, when I die, one of these days, God, because he promised to do so, is gonna deliver you guys, Israelites, from Egypt. And when he does, I want you to dig up my bones and I want you to take them to the land of promise and bury them there. He did something because he believed that God was going to make good on his promises. What about Moses' parents? They have this baby boy, Moses, and Pharaoh's gonna wanna throw all these babies into the river, and Moses' parents, because they were faithful, because they believed God was able. Moses' parents hid their child for three months, it says, by faith. 
They obeyed. The requirement of faith is action. Moses, verses 24 and 25, when he grew up in Egypt, the Bible says there came a crisis point in his life when he had to choose, am I gonna be Pharaoh's household or am I gonna be a slave with the Israelites? Which is it? The Israelites are the people of God. Pharaoh is the man who's opposing God. Which am I going to be identified with? And Moses, by faith, chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. What about Israel, verses 29 and 30? Moses used his staff to part the Red Sea. I don't know, but you know, I I know it's amazing and, and I've seen the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston and all that. I don't know that I would have been all that eager to walk down into the midst, even if it was dry land. I mean, it was amazing what was happening, but think about it. God's saying he's gonna deliver these people, but he sure didn't deliver the Egyptians. And I know that some of those Israelites were kind of wondering as they were walking through on dry land, I wonder how long the water's gonna hold back. But by faith, because they believed God's promises, they crossed on dry land. By faith, they marched around that city of Jericho seven times in seven days. By faith, they acted. Rahab, verse 31. By faith, Rahab, who was a prostitute, did not perish because she had given a friendly welcome to the Israelite spies. And when you go back and read what Rahab said to those spies back in the book of Joshua, she said, we know that your God is mighty. We heard about what he did for you when he brought you through the Red Sea. And I believe that God's with you. And so Rahab, this immoral woman living this immoral life, she responds in faith and God saves her. And I wanna just stop right there and I want you to think about this for a minute. It does not matter how you have lived your life and what you've done. When you decide that you want to trust the promises of God and obey his word, you can live by faith and Hebrews 11 verse six, you can please God. Because we serve a God who says, come to me, obey my word, and I will remember your sins and iniquities no more. Hebrews chapter eight and verse 12. Even a woman like Rahab could be saved because she said, I believe that God is the true God and I'm gonna bless and help his people. The result of faith, third. If faith is based on God's word and if the requirement of faith is that I do something, there is a result, and the result of faith is reward. And it's fascinating to notice in the book of Hebrews how often that word reward comes up. But I want you to look at some examples with me again. The result of faith, how about Abel? Remember Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain? What was the reward that Abel had? Oh, and by the way, I want you to notice as we look at these examples, I want you to notice that the reward is different for different people. You know, when we start talking about reward, we think about heaven. We think about how God's promised to save us from our sins and forgive us of our sins, as I just talked about. And that's kind of, that's kind of the sum total of what we think about as, as the reward of faith. I want you to notice there are rewards sometimes that are different from just heaven and just the forgiveness of sins. Watch this. When Abel offered this excellent sacrifice, 
The Bible says that number one, he was commended as righteous. God said, that man is a righteous man. Wouldn't that be a reward if God were to say something like that of you and me? And not only that, it says that even though Abel is dead, he still speaks to you and me. He died thousands of years ago and here we are still talking about Abel and his faith. That's a reward. How about this? Enoch, verse five. Enoch's the one that walked with God and the Bible says he was taken up so that he should not see death. There are only a couple of people in the Bible who did not die. Enoch is one of them because he walked with God and was faithful to God. Reward. How about this? Noah. He built that ark. People thought he was crazy. People thought he was a nut. But Noah built that ark. And because he did so by faith, his family was saved. And the Bible says, Noah became an heir of the righteousness which comes by faith. God's saying to you and he's saying to me, listen to what I'm telling you. Do what I'm telling you. Because there are rewards stored up for those who follow me. I am a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. There it is in Hebrews 11, verse six. Abraham got out of his, heaven, got out of his country and, and sojourned as a pilgrim in tents. And the Bible says, therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants. Every time I go to the beach, I think of that promise. Like the sand on the seashore. Who could ever count all that? Every time you're out looking at a starry night, there's that promise. Abraham, your descendants are gonna be like the stars in the sky. Be faithful. Israelites, verses 28 and 29. The Israelites put blood on their doorposts and the destroyer of the firstborn did not touch them. They were rewarded for their faith. The people crossed the Red Sea and they were delivered and their enemies were drowned behind them. They were rewarded for their faith different kinds of rewards. Abel, still being dead, yet speaks. Enoch, taken up. Abraham, father of multitudes. Israelites, delivered from their oppressors. Because they were faithful, God delivered and made good on his promises. Rahab, verse 31. She did not perish with those who were disobedient. She was rewarded. You think about Hebrews chapter 11 and the point it's making is listen to God, do what he says because God's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The rest of the passage goes on and talks about others and it doesn't say lest we get the idea that if I'm faithful to God that my life's gonna be just a bed of roses. Everything's gonna be great. Things are gonna be wonderful and I'm never gonna suffer and I'm never gonna have a hard time and I'm never gonna go on for long periods of time being discouraged or, or struggling. No, the Bible doesn't say that, but it does say be faithful because there are rewards involved in being faithful. Women received back their dead by resurrection because of faith. Some people were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. You see, faith doesn't have to do with just what's going on to me right now, with me right now. Faith has to do with what's gonna happen after I've left this world. You know, when we think about what's happening around us in our world, if we really want to live by faith, brothers and sisters and friends, just listen to what I'm about to say. 
If we really wanna live by faith, we need to think not just about what's going on right now in this life. We need to think about what God has promised concerning the next life. Because if we don't think about that, we're gonna make some foolish and unfaithful decisions. If we don't think about the rewards that God has promised when this life is over, if we don't put our confidence in those and make decisions based on those, if that's not the way we're thinking and processing and making decisions, we're gonna end up making decisions based on only what we can see and only what's happening to me right now in my present circumstance, in my present life. These people were tortured, didn't accept release because they knew that they'd rise again to a better life. There's a reward associated with faith, always. Mark the pattern well. If you didn't get it from the outline, get it now. God has spoken to the world. He's spoken to you in his word. And he's made promises. He's promised things about your future. You take those promises and you be faithful to them. Trust and obey. And then there is a reward. That is the pattern that is spelled out in Hebrews chapter 11 as plainly as anywhere else in scripture. This is what God is saying to his people, to all people. Believe me, obey me. I reward those who diligently seek me. Now, the challenge before us. What kind of promises has God made to you and me? What kinds of things should we be doing because God has spoken? God has promised, number one, to save. I'm not gonna spell out everything God's promised, by the way, but I will say this, God's promised to save people. He has said that people are lost in sin, but he so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, here's the promise now, whoever believes in Jesus should not perish, but might have everlasting life. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, verse six, the words of Jesus Christ. God has promised to save if we'll put our faith and our trust and our obedience in Jesus Christ. He's promised to do that. God has promised to forgive sin. On the day of Pentecost, the people who had nailed Jesus to the cross cried out, men and brethren, what should we do? We murdered the Son of God. And now he's risen and he's been exalted to the right hand of God and that's what Peter's preaching and we believe that Peter's telling us the truth. His head looks like it's on fire. He's got a tongue of fire on his head. Oh, and he and all of his friends, they can speak other languages. We believe that Peter's telling us what came from God. What shall we do? We murdered the Son of God. And the Bible answer is this in Acts 2, verse 38. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. God forgives sins when we're baptized. That's what it teaches. And you know, everybody who's ever been baptized, I've baptized quite a few people in my ministry as a gospel preacher I've never seen with my eyes those sins flying away. Have you? 
You just don't see it. It doesn't happen. You don't see it with your eyes. So how do I know that people's sins have been forgiven? I know because God said that's what he's gonna do when people are baptized. God promised that's what he would do when people are baptized. And that is how I know my sins were forgiven and your sins can be forgiven when we trust and obey what God has commanded us to do. That's faith. What has God promised to do? He's promised to provide Are you worried about the economy? Are you worried about your job? Are you worried about a loved one's job? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, what you eat, what you wear, will be added to you. Matthew 6, 33. That comes on the heels of a whole bunch of statements like, why are you worried? Have you not ever looked at the birds of the air and you seen how your father provides for them? Have you never looked at the lilies of the field and considered how beautifully they're arrayed and clothed? Do, do you not believe that your heavenly father loves you more than birds and flowers? God's promised to provide. By faith, even though we can't see how he's going to provide, we believe he will. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. What's God promised to do for his people? How about strengthening and encouraging them? Where are you gonna find strength to be a successful parent? Where are you gonna find strength and wisdom to be a successful elder? Where are you gonna find strength and wisdom to go out into the workforce and you're the only one that's trying to do the right thing and there's wickedness all around, where are you gonna find strength and encouragement to live for God? You find it in God. He's promised to give that if we'll just depend on him. Ephesians 6 verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Don't try to say, I got this handled. Trust in God. Believe in him. He's promised. What has God promised to do? He's promised to send Jesus one day. Today might be the day. With all the stuff we worry about and we get obsessed about and what's happening to the country and what's happening around us and what's happening to the world, most of the time lost in all those discussions is today might be the day when the trumpet sounds and the dead rise and Jesus Christ comes back to judge the world in righteousness. God's promised it's gonna happen. You need to be making decisions based on that reality because it's true. But I've never seen that before. Noah had never seen rain like that before either, but he built an ark, didn't he? God's promised to judge the world, Acts 17, 31. He knows how we've lived. He knows what we've lived for and he knows what's right. And he's gonna judge us in righteousness. God's made promises, more promises than just those. But you take those promises and that provides something of a foundation for living a life where I can walk with God like Enoch said, was said to do. By faith, we hear God's word, we obey God's word, and God blesses those who do so. This morning, 
can we help you to trust and obey the word of God? If you want to become a Christian, we want to help you do that. If you want to ask for prayers, we want to pray with you because we believe in a God who answers prayer. How can we help you? Make your way forward as together we stand and as we sing. Deposit in the, the uh, trash cans in the foyer. Um, and if you would please stand and join me in a prayer, we'll be dismissed. Our Father in heaven, we thank you very much for the time we could be together with you today. That we could come together and worship you in the way that you specify. Father, we love you and we love your son. And we ask that you would be with those that were mentioned today, that there are so many that need help, that need strengthening by you through us. Father, open our hearts and help us to pray for our friends and our family members. Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for the many things that you promise us and that we know that that promise is, is good. Father, we always, always want to serve you, and we ask that you would help us to leave this place and serve you in a way that is pleasing to you and satisfying to you. Father, help us to spread your word to teach others about your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for our live stream service today. Let us know where you're watching from. Comment on the platform that you're watching on. Also, we offer Bible studies. If you'd love to know more about God's word, we can offer a Bible study in person or online virtually through Zoom or something like that. Just contact us at one of the email addresses on the screen. Additionally, if you have a prayer request or if there's some way that we can help you and, and, and meet a need, we'd love the opportunity to talk to you. Again, contact us at one of the email addresses on the screen. Thank you so much for joining us. May God bless you.